Welcome to the Faith and Money Podcast, where listeners are invited to explore the captivating intersection of faith and finances. Leading the way are two remarkable hosts, Keith Conley, President of True Legacy Financial Planning, and Crystal Wampler, President of Can Ethics. Faith and Money explores a diverse array of financial topics, always placing Christ at the center of our discussions. From the basics of budgeting and investing, to the transformative power of charitable giving and the dynamics of entrepreneurship, we explore it all. Keith and Crystal invite guests who are thought leaders, financial experts, and individuals who have successfully integrated faith and finances, offering practical tools and inspiring stories to guide you on your own path. If you find the Faith and Money podcast valuable and entertaining, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, and your rating will help us reach more people, empowering them to align their faith and finances. Now, without any further delay, here's Keith and Crystal. We all encounter many different experiences throughout the courses of our lives. Some of the most disturbing and painful episodes we experience in life resolve around conflict. We see it everywhere. All media, including social media, broadcasting, and even written media, all seem to thrive on conflict. Conflict can negatively impact every part of our lives, including our health and our wealth. While conflict is never ideal, sometimes conflict is necessary if we are to stay true to God's word. There are Christians today who are in conflict with the government over moral issues relating to their children. But most conflict is not necessary. Yeah, thank you, Crystal. Unfortunately, many Christians are not immune to conflict. And I guess you would say maybe no Christian is immune to conflict, even with one another. I mean, just the other day, I was arguing with someone at church about the color of the carpet. Um, (laughs) Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, But, you know, whole church bodies have unfortunately split over disagreements and squabbles that could have been handled differently. You know, here at at Faith and Money, we talk about the intertwining or intersection of faith and money. And and this presents a unique and complex landscape uh, for those involved with conflict resolution. You know, our financial choices, our priorities and disparities can become fertile ground for discord within families challenging the very foundation of our relationships. But with this struggle lies an opportunity, a chance to explore how our faith can guide us toward godly resolution, reconciliation, and ultimately peace. In today's episode, we're interviewing Lori Stewart, Executive Director at Peacemaker Ministries. Welcome, Lori. Ah, thanks, Crystal. Thanks, Keith. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, so Here's a little bit of of information about Lori, and she can fill us in uh, any other details she wants to provide, and and I want to provide this for our listeners. Lori uh, is an attorney and the executive director for Peacemaker Ministries. Uh, She has also a Master of Arts from Biola University, and I believe that's in apologetics. Is that right, Lori? Yeah, it's it's technically Talbot, but yeah, Talbot is part of Biola. Talbot, right. And uh, and both you and your husband, um, John, 
are our litigating attorneys, correct? Yes, that is our background is litigation. And 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 you both have that MA in, in apologetics? Um, his is in I no, the apologetics program is a new degree over at Talbot, but oh all right. His is in like biblical studies or something like yeah. that, his master's. Program. Well, you guys must have some really interesting conversations. We we do, yeah. <laughs> both being lawyers and both being apologists, yeah. You can see why we need peacemaking, and and we're a blended family, so we really need peacemaking in our household. Yeah, and and it looks like you're also an adjunct professor at Trinity Law School here in Orange County. How long have you been doing that? Uh, since 2018, I love it. Love working with the uh, law students. My focus has been legal research and writing the, the one L's, which is the first, first year students. It's yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually have uh, several clients that are taking the bar next week. So <laughs> I still remember taking the bar exam like it was yesterday. My advice is study hard, give it everything you've got because you don't want to do it twice. Just do it the first time and pass. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. Uh, so yeah, we're we're really excited to have you here, Lori. And and you know, Peacemaker Ministries has been something that has influenced me over the last twenty years. And, and uh, what exactly are you doing at, at Peacemaker? Yeah, so I just joined um, in the fall of twenty twenty two. I I was trained by Peacemaker Ministries a long time ago, many many years ago. Um, I joined the board of the organization maybe. Uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I can't remember when exactly. And then I just joined the staff as the executive um, last fall. Um, So I'm doing everything from, you know, traditional fundraising to setting up our church teams, um, developing a fast track program right now for people who are um, experienced Christian conciliators. They already have training. So then how do they quickly get trained with our process and our platform? Um, yeah, and I do a lot of casework. So just, uh, right. we're getting ready to launch probably in the next year or so our, our formal mediation and arbitration program. Wow, that's great. So, you know, between your, your legal career at teaching at a, at a Christian law school per se, uh, your, your apologetics, you know, degree and, and working at Pacemaker seems like you have really, uh, integrated your faith with all of your life, with your vocation. And, you know, could you just tell us a little bit about your faith, Lori? Yeah, absolutely. I became a Christian when I was eight. So I was, I was a little one. Um, but when I was a teenager, like I think a lot of people's story, I walked away from my faith. I wandered in the world, became a prodigal daughter, went to the university. I questioned everything. I wasn't sure Jesus was the only way. Uh, I was a theater major at the time and in a sorority. So yeah, just really walking in the world. And it wasn't until I got, um, I I got married, had a baby. Then I found myself a single mom um, that I really started to question what had happened with my life. And I realized I'd made um, a lot of wrong turns. And so I, I, it's a long story of how God got my attention, but let's just say he uses conflict to get our attention. And so that grabbed my attention. I ended up back at church and I surrendered my life to just following God. And I began a radical shift in my worldview at that time. So that's, that's been a number of years now. And uh, yeah, so I just love living with Jesus and it really is about a relationship. It's not about a religion. 
So how did you get involved in Peacemakers? Yeah, so I was already a practicing attorney li doing litigation, and my husband and I were newly married. So we, as a blended family, I mentioned, we had conflict, and then we actually had a case that we were working on, and we had so much conflict with the other attorney. And so it was accumulation of a lot of events. We also were representing people who were maybe winning in court, but they still didn't walk away satisfied. And I thought there has to be a better way of helping people to resolve conflict. So I stumbled upon um, Christian ADR, Alternative Dispute Resolution, helping people to resolve their disputes out of court. And I thought, especially examining 1 Corinthians 6, which says, hey, why are you taking your disputes in front of the, the secular courts? The ungodly, why aren't there wise people among you to help you settle your disputes? And so I discovered Peacemaker Ministries, discovered their program, and I I just dove in with everything I had to learn everything about it. And now that I, and then as soon as I, I started learning about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the gospel in action. Every Christian needs to know this. Every church needs to know this. Imagine if all the churches had peacemaking teams, how much conflict we could avoid, right? the destructive effects of conflict, because there is going to be conflict everywhere. I mean, we, we kind of jokingly say where two or more are gathered, there will be conflict. <laughs> but I mean, we're, we're different personalities. We have different um, preferences and different wants and desires. We have different baggage and wound, childhood wounds. So when we come together, we just bump up against each other and we need we need help. So we like to say at Peacemaker Ministries, we do conflict differently. We actually want to live out the gospel in the conflict. And let's be honest, we usually, we're usually messing it up, right? We're not really thinking about the gospel when we're in a conflict. We just start thinking about how upset we are at the other person, what they've done, right? Especially, what does that person call themselves a Christian? They don't act like a Christian because I had different expectations. And, you know, we start throwing around judgments about one another. And yeah, we can, re we can really make things worse. So we have a goal of trying to reach every Christian and every church in the world. It's a big, audacious goal, but we do think that it is the message of the gospel and how God gets our attention is through conflict. Right. So on your website, it looks like you provide mediation and arbitration for um, adults in the family, marital conflicts, family conflicts, you know, between different generations or, or extended family conflict in churches nonprofits, businesses, neighbors, and, and schools. It's pretty all-encompassing. Mm. But I think it's probably pretty safe to say that the Peacemaker Ministries is not enacting a, a cult single action army revolver. It's actually actually bringing peace rather than just justice, right? Yeah, that, that's a really good point. So we do believe that peacemaking is, to, it does include a measure of justice, but it is humility and mercy, right? So we can't just focus right. on, on that. So we, you know, we talk about the different ways that we typically respond to conflict when we're not really thinking about the fact that God is with us and that we are children of God. So typically we run to the escape or attack responses. That is usually what we do. Um, and that just makes matters worse. Now that does, that doesn't mean that there's never a time to leave a conflict or to run from it because there is, we see that in the scriptures and that doesn't mean that there's not a place to you know, fight for what is right 
and good mm-hmm. and noble because we see that in the scriptures as well. But but those are not peacemaking responses, right? But sometimes God does call us into those places. So unfortunately, we tend to be like Peter and we just grab the sword, you know, <laughs> we just want to yeah. fight for justice yeah. first thing, right? Or Or else we just run away without even stopping to think, what is God doing here? What does he want me to do? Yeah, back in the day, there was a, a firearm called the Peacemaker, and it's obvious that we shouldn't be, you know, drawing that that cult action uh, revolver. You know, we should be trying to find peace rather than than just bringing out the gun or the sword. We should uh, be, you know, living out the gospel and 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 God's word, honoring yeah. the Lord in conflict. You know, we don't need any reminders that about conflict in the world. I mean, it, it, it's pretty obvious every sphere of life has some form of conflict. You know, we see it in the media with the political political sphere. I mean, that that's just obvious, the most obvious one. But we even see it in the church. And, and we're not really surprised that there are disagreements and arguments. Uh, but what are the most common responses that you see to conflict? Yeah, I would put them all, uh, the most common responses fall into one of two camps. And that is the escape responses or the attack responses. And it looks different. So the escape responses can be anything from just the silent treatment. People get upset in churches and they walk away from the church. They walk away from marriages. Um, They uh, commit relational suicide. So they actually walk away. They totally neglect the relationship. And so it falls apart. Um, on the other side, the attack responses can, you know, be anything from gossip and slander, uh, running to social media to air all your grievances, which we see happening a lot, unfortunately, um, verbal assaults, physical assaults, and of course, just relational homicide. And really at the extreme of either of those is uh, e- even physical suicide and physical murder. So those are the the real extremes. So that's where we tend to go. And, you know, Jesus said that if you have hatred in your heart, you basically committed murder, anger and hatred in your heart toward a brother or sister, you basically have committed murder in your heart. So that would be an attack response. And so Jesus is calling us to a different way to live the life of following him. And that is the way of the gospel. What role does money play in creating tensions and conflicts with families and uh, how do you think God's word provides guidance in navigating these challenges? Yeah. So first, let me just start back up for, for a second, explain that one of the things we start with when we're teaching, when we do our training, or even when we're working with people in conflict and doing casework, is we talk about the difference between healthy tension and unhealthy tension. Uh, because not all tension is bad. Tension can bring people together. And that's the healthy tension. And I still have vivid memories after 9-11, which was a terrible thing that happened in our country. You could call it a a tension, a conflict that happened, right? Lives lost. But we saw at the Capitol steps, Republicans and Democrats coming together and singing, God bless America. I mean, that, that was tension that brought people together or even across party lines. So I would call that a healthy tension. So healthy tension brings us together. Unhealthy tension pulls us apart. So usually when we're talking about conflict, what we are talking about is that unhealthy tension that is pulling people apart, is pulling marriages apart, uh, families apart, workplaces, churches, communities, you know, and even like tribes in other countries. So that's why we do handle all kinds of different conflict because Essentially, it all comes from the same place, right? It all comes from James 
chapter four, verses one through three, right? What causes the fights and quarrels among you? It's those desires that are battling in you because you kill and you covet, you don't get what you want, right? And it's because you're asking God, or either you're not asking him or you're asking him with the wrong motive. So I, I would say most conflict, I'm not going to say all, but most conflict starts there. It is a, a matter of the battles that are in in uh, ra- raging um, in our hearts. So when it comes to money, you know, money by itself, you already know this, money's not evil, but it is the love of money that actually is the root of all evil. And that's because we're fighting for it. We're quarreling over it. We're demanding things. We have different perspectives of of money. And so those differences are what actually are pulling people apart, seeing things differently. Um, and so we offer a path, we call it the path of a peacemaker as a way of helping people to navigate conflict in a healthy way that will bring them together. So money is just one of the many ways. Um, I'll just mention one other quick uh, way that we see conflict coming about, and that is just having false assumptions. We make a lot of assumptions about other people, what their motives are or what they mean when they say something. And we would just be so much better if we would just ask and get clarification. It is uh, so destructive and setting ourselves up for unhealthy tension to create destructive conflict when we assume what other people mean, say, or do. We should just have some honest, clear communication, right? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. And that is one of the things we talk about in the past. One of the things that I've I've noticed in my years as a financial advisor is that a lot of conflict occurs in family over money issues, especially with inheritance issues, because there's not a any level of communication until that triggering event happens, such as someone passing away. You know, everyone knows that grandma and grandpa or mom and dad have money, but they don't know how much and they don't know what they're getting and they don't know what they're supposed to do. Uh, because there's not that communication up front while the benefactors are still alive. And so then that really breeds that resentment and uh, uh, and other negative feelings that lead to that source of conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so I've always been a very big believer that, you know, wealthy families or, um, should be having open conversations with their children and grandchildren, uh, you know, telling the family story uh, to create unity, uh, uh, discussing values and principles that should guide our financial decisions, uh, an expectation of of what they're supposed to be doing with that wealth when they receive it, and even helping, having them help make financial decisions while the grandma, grandpa, and mom and dad are still alive before they even receive the money. I'm always, I think one of the greatest paths to, to preventing conflict and making that, uh, uh, that money be a source of uni- unity is getting the family involved in charitable giving now. Get them on the foundation, get them in de- decision-making mode and getting involved with the family's favorite nonprofits or charitable interests. Get them involved working at the rescue mission or or the church mission board or whatever it is and create that um, contentment and that joy so that it's just not this major uh, 
surprise when all of a sudden they have $10 million sitting in their bank account. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, but I, I would say there's just an obstacle to to that. And it, the reason why no one's doing that is because there's already conflict in the family. So they don't want to talk about these issues. So they just mm -hmm. ignore them. I'll just leave the kids and the grandkids to sort this all out after I'm gone. We'll let them fight it all out. Um, or they just trust that their written documents, right? Their their will, their trust, um, the any instructions they've left with, let's say, successor trustees or executors, that that's just going to be blindly obeyed and followed and it's not necessarily right so you you do have this lack of communication and it is because there is already conflict and healthy tension that is pulling people apart so how do yeah. we so you want to be able to navigate the family dynamics that you can pull people together so that you can have these kind of healthy conversations but often you have to deal with the conflict that exists first before you can even get to that kind of trusting conversation it, you're exactly right. I mean, I've talked to wealthy families where, you know, they run a family business and they'll have multiple kids and and one of the kids is involved in the business. Um, one of them is a drug addict uh, and the other one uh, is off the radar. They have no idea where that kid is. And, you know, there's there's just all of those feelings of, of guilt and shame on, on the parents, grandparents part, maybe about mistakes they've made and and, uh, you know, it, it, it's really a great discipleship opportunity. Um, I'm constantly referring uh, to one of my favorite passages in, in Deuteronomy 6, you know, where we're always to be teaching our children the law and, and the gospel, um, constantly talk about it, put it on our foreheads, put it on our walls, and to be training and equipping our younger family members to receive that wealth, but also think it, it requires that the older generation, quite frankly, be honest with themselves and ask questions like, is equal fair? Um, who should receive a, a, a sum of a lump sum of, of wealth and who should receive money just to pay for expenses and not get a lump sum of wealth? These require very hard questions to be answered. And, and you know, I I, I love, you know, that peacemaker could be a big part of that conversation. But I also think that from my perspective as a, as a financial advisor, this is the great sin of my industry. We're really, really good at helping people build the wealth and leave the wealth. And then we're done. Yeah. There's no discipleship. There's no uh, follow through. And there's no preparing that next steward. Yeah, that's exactly the discipleship is really what we're doing right now as well, that we're focusing on that. So um, Brian Noble, who's the CEO, uh, who serves with me at Peacemaker Ministries, he's developed two primary curriculum that we deal with at Peacemaker Ministries. One is the path of a peacemaker, where we talk about, like you're saying, remembering God's word. And that's you know from Proverbs 4 is learning how to, what is the path that God wants us to be on? And then how do we stay on the path, right? Not deviating from the right or to the right or to the left, but how do we actually stay on that path? You know, and I think when Jesus said the way is narrow, it's not just the way to eternity is narrow, but I also think it means walking today, like walking, how do we walk on the narrow path today? Because there's so many things that are messages from the world and distractions that are wanting to pull us off the path. And so how do we just stay on the path and, and navigate that? But so I, I think that you're, you're 
you know, right on when you talk about we need to have these conversations. It's it's so important. Um, it's important that we walk in the love one another, right? There's so many one another passages <laughs> in the Bible. What do we sh- what should we be doing? Well, we should be walking in that. And it sounds really good when you're sitting in a church pew on Sunday morning. We're all like, yes, yes, of course, we should love each other. But then when we're hit with that conflict, what do we do when someone has a harsh word for us? What do we do when our brother or sister says something that triggers something from our childhood? You know, what do we do when we see mom and dad appearing to favor another one of our siblings that brings up all the old jealousy feelings. And so we, we all of a sudden love one another goes out the window. We just forget that. Uh, so we want to teach discipleship. How do we walk this out uh, consistently? And, you know, it, it does take time to learn new habits and new patterns. We practice them. You know, statistics have shown if you don't put new um, patterns and uh, I, and habits into practice right away, you will just forget it. You'll go back to the old the old neuro pathways that have already been ingrained in our, our head, but we can actually reprogram our brains to thinking differently. And that's what the gospel is all about, right? First Corinthians 15, Paul tells us the essence of the gospel is the life, death, burial, resurrection, and appearance of Jesus. And so we talk about in, we were walking out the gospel in a conflict. What does it look like? Well, when we sit down and work with somebody, the path of a peacemaker is about learning how to listen to one another, right? Because I have my perspective of how I I see things, but that's just me. I don't know how you see it, Keith. I don't know how you see it, Crystal, right? And if you're my brother and sister in Christ or in blood, if we have a different seeing things, we should sit down and say, hey, look, I want to hear what what's your perspective of these events, right? About mom and dad's situation, their um maybe we need to talk about a, a, a transitional living for them. You know, what, what's your perspective? And let's listen to each other. Again, the being quick to listen, slow to speak. Um, because when we listen to each other's stories, it stretches our own perspective. Yes. Think about how this translates to the political arena. Oh my gosh, people are just shouting each other down or silencing each other. If we would just be willing to sit down, have conversations and listen, it would stretch our own perspective. Like, I didn't realize you thought that way. You have a different lived experience and I have. And by hearing your experience, that stretches my mind. That stretches my perspective. But then we can't stop there. What really matters is inviting God into it, right? That's where we ascend. We go back to our biblical core values. Now, what does God have to say? What's his perspective? We declare scripture over each other. We pray for each other. We actually do this in mediation. We sit down with a party. We have them facing each other. We just did a marriage uh, retreat this last weekend. And we had all the couples who are coming for this marriage workshop sit and face each other and say, you, you know, God is with you. God is close to you even when you're brokenhearted. God uh, you know, has declared that you are his child. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, you are a peacemaker. I mean, really declaring, making it personal, the scriptures, right? Because we know God's word is powerful and does transform us, but we often just read it so like objectively and neutrally and kind of at arm's length versus personalizing it. This was written for me. This was written for you and putting your names in the blank. And then we sit and pray. And hearts are so transformed when they do that because they remember God is with them and he's good and he has a plan. And if we can just shift our perspective, even to remember that, 
I'm telling you all kinds of things. Doors start to fling open. People are set free. They actually have a new perspective. But we don't stop there. Those are just two of the steps for the path because that's tell, tell our story, then we ascend, then we reflect. And so we ask God to search each, each of us to see, hey, how have I contributed to this so I can take responsibility, right? Um, even if it's, I'm only 2% responsible, I am 100% responsible for that 2% and I need to own it and take responsibility for it. And then we connect, we make and implement a plan. And this is usually where we confess our wrongs to each other. Um, we, you know, so we are apologizing, we forgive one another because forgiveness is key. And then we make a plan. So how are we going to move forward? Um, because that's what the scripture tells us, right? We need to make a plan and God is with us and he helps us. So even as a mediator, I don't have all the answers when I sit down with parties, but I just get to see God come in and God helps them. And I just get to be an instrument to facilitate that and to see what God is doing and help them to see what is God's ultimate plan? What is he doing in this conflict? Okay, Lori, you, I want you to come back and, and we're not done yet, but I want you to come back and we're going to talk about this more. Okay. One of the questions I have is, let's say you have a family who's having some sort of financial conflict and not all of the family members are believers. How is How does conflict resolution different if we don't all share the same values? Yeah, that's a great question. We get asked that all the time. So I would say, first of all, um, Paul gives us some advice in Romans 12, where he talks about, you know, as far as it is possible for you, you know, live at peace with everyone. So that tells us we're not responsible for others. So we're only responsible for ourselves. So that's number one. We, we can't change other people. Um, Number two, we can't demand that other people see things like we do, right? That's just, that comes back to the James 4 problem where it's the unmet desires. We want everybody to be like us. We want everyone to be saved like us. We want everyone to have the same theological perspective as us. We want everyone to, to think exactly like we do. And that causes a lot of problems versus being willing to sit down and have a conversation with each other. So that's, that's part of it. Um, when we're working with parties who are in a conflict and, and we're doing a case, we do walk through the biblical uh, core values. We don't hide who we are. And so we do have even non-believers who will come and say, yeah, I agree to follow your process. As long as I agree to follow our process, it's totally great. I've seen people come to Christ just coming to in using our process. Um, but yeah. But if not, if, if they're not, they're like, oh no, I don't, I don't want to do this Christian thing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. We can teach people how to, uh, we can coach them on how to deal with the conflict in a biblical way, even if the other person never comes to the table. So that's coaching that we do. Um, and we coach everybody before we even get to mediation. Anyway, it is a big part of what we do, the one-on-one coaching. But we also have a second curriculum. I mentioned that we have two. One of them is the path of a peacemaker, and that is helping people in a conflict, whether it's one-on-one, just coaching one person, or whether it's a mediation where we're working with all the parties. We have Our second um, curriculum is called Living Reconciled. And that really is meant for those parties who are in a conflict and they can't reconcile with the other person. Maybe the other person doesn't want to talk to them. Maybe I don't want to talk to them, right? Because they're they're a, a painful person. They're not healthy. 
it's triggering or brings me down or I get entangled in their mess again, whatever it might be, or maybe they're no longer living, but for whatever reason, we can't actually resolve that conflict that's between us. So this is what I call the inner work, the inner shalom. We help people find the peace with God and peace in themselves, regardless of what the other person is doing, right? That is how we still continue to love one another and walk in the truth and the freedom that God has given us. So that's, it's a whole separate curriculum that we offer. Yeah. Uh, One of the things that I think of when, when you have situations with, you know, mixed faith families, and I, I don't know that I've worked this out in my own life, but one of the things that I, I recommend people consider, and I'm considering it uh, in my own situation, is you know what what is right and fair may not be what is God's best for us mm-hmm. and best for that individual. You know, if you're splitting uh, assets and an inheritance with a non-believing sibling, for example, and they're demanding more than you think is fair, is it the right approach for us as a Christ follower to demand what we believe is fair for them? That's a really good question, Keith. Um, and, and this is where my job as a coach and a mediator um, or a facilitator from walking someone through Living Reconciled we don't, we don't focus so much on like the worldly standard of fairness and equality. Um, because, Hey, Jesus went to the cross. What was fair and equal about that? There was nothing. He was an innocent man who went to the cross for a nobler purpose. Right. So he took on all of our sins when we were enemies of him. So he laid down his life for us. So that's the model that we follow. Um, so I think we have to be careful about setting, standards and rules that have to apply to everyone if it's not something that's in the scripture, right? Going be at work because then we're going beyond the scripture and we're making rules for everybody. Uh, There's room for grace for those areas that we disagree if there's not a clear commandment about those things. But the bottom line is we need to be sensitive to the principles that are Mm -hmm. in the scripture. Even if there's not a command that's on point, what are the principles to guide us in making these decisions? And then what is the Holy Spirit leading us to do, right? That's really what we need is the Holy Spirit to illuminate the word for us, to highlight it for us, to shine the light on it. Like, how do you want me to use these biblical principles now to apply it to this situation? What is going to glorify God? What's going to help this other person? And what's going to help me to be transformed and be acting like Jesus? That those are the questions that we ask. Right. You know, what I'm thinking at it about as you're speaking is what is always fair isn't always right. Jesus gave up his rights, you know, when he died on the cross. And sometimes for the sake of loving our, our unbelieving sibling who we may have a toxic relationship, it might be that God would call us to give up what is rightfully should be our in parts of our inheritance. Mm-hmm. And, and for the sake of loving that individual, um, even if it, it irks us, maybe it, it, you know, we have some negative feelings about it, but maybe to preserve any sense of, of a semblance of any relationship with that individual, maybe God would call us. And this could be different in every situation. I'm not saying that everyone has to do it this way, yeah. Yeah. but it's worth asking, hey, 
is God asking me to give up this asset so that I have a relationship with this person? And, and, and should I be praying that maybe this opportunity will give us an opportunity to have a restored relationship and maybe ultimately lead them to Christ? Yeah, I'll give you a quick example of that, Keith. What comes to my mind is a, f- a family that I know. Um, so when the grandparents died, they left everything to the kids. And it, and it was a very large estate. And uh, the of course, the siblings already started quarreling over the assets, right? The, the um, money, there was a, a great deal of land involved. And then there were... Um, you know, the personal property as well. So they had to get together where everybody could come and pretty much grab whatever they wanted, right? <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. And uh, there was one, uh, one of the siblings was a really strong Christian and said, I'm not even going. I don't want to fight and grab anything. I, I, I let. So basically talked about giving up his rights, right? Um, as a child to to choose because did not want to participate in the fight, fighting and quarreling over things. Um, so I think that that's an example of how we can kind of be a model and, and def- help to diffuse situations. So because the one wasn't, didn't go to the, um, to, to the, I called the grab <laughs> to, to the property grab, uh, it actually softened everybody's hearts who was there. Hey, do you want this? Do you want this? So, you know, it, it did have a positive impact. It's not to say that it's always going to be that way, but Look, fighting over money, as a litigator, I see people fighting over money all the time. My husband does too. Uh, Most of the cases we have worked on have been about money, Um, whether it's someone was in an accident and harmed and they're seeking uh, some kind of compensation for their injuries, uh, or it's families that are, yeah, there's been a loss of a loved one and they're now quarreling over inheritance. The, The inheritance one is a big one. Where does um, mediation generally take place? Well, recently it's been on Zoom. It's interesting because most of our mediations are still on Zoom. Uh, We we were really hesitant to to do that, but it's been, you know, of course, COVID, the pandemic sent everybody on Zoom, right? Um, And now we're able to save people money by doing these mediations on Zoom because we can do them from all over the country, right? We do them from people on the East Coast, different time zones, yeah. And that's great because you include uh, all the family members that are scattered across the United States. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So how can our listeners reach out and find out more about you and, and ask questions if they have of them? That's a great question, Crystal. Thanks. Uh, first, you can find out more about us at our website, peacemakerministries.org. Second, I would uh, urge all of your listeners to download our free app. It, Peacemakers, Peacemaker Ministries has a free app. Um, I think it's called like Peacemaker Light. And the reason why it's still called Light is because we actually intended to develop one that was free and one that was uh, charged. But then we haven't made one that we charge. So it's just free. So, and there's so much content on there. The path of a peacemaker is on there. So if you click on navigating a simple conflict, it's on there. We have how to navigate a more in-depth conflict. That's on there. We also have something like if you're in a really difficult relationship, the, this is what the one I was telling you, we can't reconcile with other people or living reconciled. That's on there. So we have a, so many tools and resources that are available for free to help people on that app. So I encourage all your listeners to download that. Um, we You can check out our website. We have events. We have webinars. We have training. 
We sometimes offer um, training on how to use the app to navigate a conflict. Uh, we have training on uh, our Living Reconciled. We have free monthly webinars that we do on Living Reconciled. And of course, you can find us down at the bottom. You'll see contact us. And so there's a you can contact and reach out to us as well. So we do we have a, a, a lot of resources. We have books and videos. Um, we have a whole online teaching program that you just learn at your own pace. We have live conferences, seminars that we do. We come in and we do workplace. We've done like HR departments, like on a lunch hour for an hour or two hours. Uh, we've trained Bible schools in other countries by Zoom. Um, and we do a lot of casework. So we do training, we have resources, and then we do casework where we actually sit and work with people who are in conflict. So we're raising up new teams. We're always looking for churches in particular who might be interested in raising up a peace team in their own church. So we can train them up so that they can handle the conflict because there's a lot of conflict out there. We need more peacemakers. <laughs> so uh, you can check out our resources there, check it out our event page, our even, even you can click on the app and it'll um, on our website and it'll take you right to the app and how you can download that. So that's how I would say people get, get started. Wow, you've just given us a, a wealth of resources and, and I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, there's more things I want to talk to you about, but we're going to have to do that in another episode. Sounds so good. We will have you back. Uh, maybe you'll be our first repeat guest. This will be, be great. Well, so, I can uh, talk for hours about this because I get so excited <laughs> about peacemaking. I think yeah, every Christian is called to do this, so I get really excited. Yeah, but it's almost lunchtime, so I don't know if I'll be in a peacemaking mood when it's lunchtime. <laughs> well, go fuel your sugar. You do, you do need to take care of your body. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to our listeners. Uh, if we will provide all of Lori's contact information for Peacemaker Ministries. I uh, would love for you to review those resources. And uh, like we say every time, don't forget to rate uh, the show and give us five stars uh, because we are a five-star show and you know it. Uh, and uh, don't forget to share uh, the podcast with a friend and perhaps an enemy too, especially this episode. All right. Take care. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lori. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Faith and Money Podcast. But remember, our conversations don't end here. We invite you to continue exploring these fascinating subjects by subscribing to our podcast. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode, ensuring that you stay connected to our community of like-minded individuals seeking wisdom and guidance in their financial and spiritual lives. And while you're at it, don't forget to rate and review the Faith and Money podcast. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also allows others to discover and benefit from these enriching discussions. Your words have the power to inspire and empower others to embark on their own journeys toward financial well-being and spiritual fulfillment. Lastly, we want to extend a heartfelt invitation to join us for future episodes. We have exciting guests lined up who will share their unique perspectives and experiences. Together, we'll continue to dive deeper, challenge conventions, and uncover hidden truths that can transform our lives for the better.